Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this time of worship to give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Lord, let the worship flow, Father, from our lips, from our hands, from our hearts, and from our lives. And Lord, help it not to end at 12 o'clock, but Lord, help it to continue throughout the rest of the day, throughout the rest of the week, throughout our lives, Lord. Let us live lives that where we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. All God's people said, amen and amen. You may have a seat. You may have a seat. It's great to see everyone this morning. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, and Miss Stephanie will bring you a Bible. And also, we are going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. And if you do not have a study guide, a little chart that we made, and a bookmark, if you would please raise your hand, and Miss Stephanie will also give you a little uh, Revelation chart. Anybody else? Anybody need a Bible or a Revelation chart? Oh, here we go. We got over here, Stephanie. Need a Revelation chart. <clears throat> it's great to see all your faces this morning. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. It's great to be worshiping with my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And it's just, let's open our hearts this morning and let's just be, let's let the Holy Spirit fill us. Fill us with his word, with his truth, and with his life. Um, January, the first, I forgot the date, but the first Sunday of January, we began our verse-by-verse study in the book of Revelation. And uh, remember, we looked at Revelation chapter 1, which was the introduction to the book of Revelation. And then we, we spent six Sundays on the seven churches. That was uh, six, six Sundays on the seven churches. And we looked at each church, their strength and their, wit, their weaknesses. Then after we finished chapters 2 and 3, we went to chapter 4 and chapter 5. And we looked at heaven. We looked at the glory of heaven. We looked at the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. Last week, what did we look at? The Lion of the tribe of Judah. Well, today, finally, finally, we get to what everybody knows Revelation is about, and that is the Great Tribulation. So this morning, we are going to be entering in, through the text of Scripture, the dark days of uh, of the Great Tribulation. The title of my message is The Four Horsemen because that's the main element, that's the main focus of this chapter. And there's actually, there's seven seals. We're going to look at six seals this morning, but, we're, but in the first four seals, we see four horsemen coming, coming forth. The book of Revelation, it answers one of man's biggest questions. It's what happens in the future? Can we know? You know, there's so much chaos and so much turbulence in the world and so many questions people have. Can we know what's going to happen in the future? And the answer is yes. The word of God. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will, will endure forever. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. And God has revealed to us in his word what, how it's going to all end. How it's all going to end. It's going to end with this event called the Great Tribulation. Now, before you get all freaked out, like, oh, they're studying the Great Tribulation. What do we do with that? It's not meant to scare you, okay? It's meant to show you this is how God is going to bring judgment on a Christ-rebelling world, on a world that has forsaken Christ. This is how God is going to rid the earth of all sin, evil, and wickedness. It's through the Great Tribulation. You know, the Bible teaches that the world is not heading 
toward peace and unity, but toward this final time period, the great tribulation. So with that said, let's take a look at Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say as with a voice uh, of thunder, Come. Remember we saw last week, we saw Jesus take the scroll from the Father's hand. The Father has a scroll in his hand. John says, Who is worthy to take the scroll? And then one of the elders pipes up and says, Look, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb that was slain, he is worthy to take the scroll. The scroll contains... Christ's plan to judge and completely remove all sin, evil, and wickedness from our planet. These seven seals, um, as, you, as you look, as you see here in Revelation chapter 6 and 7, they encompass the entire tribulation period, okay? You know, we see seven seals. Well, where does the, then where does the trumpets fall, Pastor David? The trumpets fall within the time period of the seventh um, seal, and we'll see that in the text, so, but last week we saw Jesus taking the scroll. Now the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's got this long scroll and he's going to pop open the seals. And as he, pop, as he opens up each seal, a different judgment is going to come on sin, the ungodly world, and this is his way of cleansing the world. Look at verse 2. He says, I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So the first seal rider we have here in Revelation chapter 6 is the white horse. The white horse uh, represents the Antichrist. You see, leading up to the great tribulation, the world will be divided. The world will be in turmoil. And the world will be in desperate need of peace. Does that sound familiar by chance? I'm just, just saying. You know, the world will be in desperate need of peace. Divided in turmoil. And the Antichrist on this white horse comes to bring peace. Now, the few things I want you to see in verse 2 is one, it says in the text, he has a bow, but it says nothing about arrows. He has a bow with no arrows. This reveals to us he will bring world peace without war. Without war. But, as we'll see in the rest of the book of Revelation, it will be a deceptive peace. It says a crown is given to him. So he comes on earth. He comes on the scene during, the, during this great tribulation period. A crown is given to him. The world will love him. The world will love him. He will have all the answers. Daniel chapter 9 uh, verses 20 through 27 teach that he'll, he'll make a peace treaty with the nation of Israel, because they'll be in so much turmoil. They'll be the ones, the world will need peace, but they will need real peace, because they'll be, they'll be a mess. But uh, anyway, the, the Antichrist, he will be Messiah-like. He, he, the Antichrist, what Jesus is to Christians, is what he will be to the world. He will answer all the questions. He will be the Savior. He will be the one that, man, this guy just has all the answers to peace, to, to everything that's going on in the world. And the world will no longer be uh, divided into countries, but it'll be a global world. It'll be one world, one world order with this one leader, the Antichrist, during the Great Tribulation. So that's the first white horse. White horse, white represents peace. 
So let's look at verse 3. He says, And when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. Now, these creatures, we studied these back in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. These four creatures are the four creatures that surround the throne. And they are declaring in heaven, they are making these statements come. These are the four living creatures. And these are the same living creatures that cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But the second seal, look at verse 4. It says, And another, a red horse, went out to him who sat on it. And it was granted to take peace from the earth, that men would slay one another. And a great sword was given to him. So the second seal is the rider on Help you guys understand this, just clearly see the picture. The second seal rider is a red horse, and this represents war. This represents war. That peace that was established when the Antichrist first comes on the scene, the world peace is like, oh, this is so awesome, this is so wonderful, will we'll slowly, we'll, we'll, not slowly, but will erupt into war. It says, it says there in verse 4, Men will slay one another. In other words, there'll be war. They'll, it'll turn to conflicts. They'll be fighting, and there'll be no more peace. People will take life with no remorse. The value of life will be very, very low during the Great Tribulation. People will slay people for no reason. There will be death, and death will abound during the Great Tribulation. This will be a very, very dark period. Very dark period. And it also, notice it says in verse 4, it says, a great sword was given to the Antichrist. Now, this great sword, first off, that word great in the Greek is megas, which we get the word mega. And the definition of it, according to Vines, is this huge in mass and weight. This word great, that's used in Revelation 6-4, in the New Testament, is used 180 times 150 times is translated great, 30 times is translated loud. So it's used, for, it's used to describe something loud and something great. And this has led many scholars to believe that this will be some form of WMD. You know what a WMD is? A weapon of mass destruction. This will be something huge. But it says a great sword was given. So evidently during the Great Tribulation, uh, he will be given access to this Weapon of mass destruction or, or whatever this is. We can't, we can't, we, we got to hold this lightly because we're just ba basing the word on the definition of the words. But whatever he has that produces a lot of death, it will be mega and it will be great and it will be given to him. So it will likely be something that's created here on earth that he is given access to. Now, as we go through each one of these, um, as we go through each one of these seals and the thing that I want you to think about with each one What's the application for today? The application for today is make sure you're saved. Is make sure you're saved. Make sure you're born again. Make sure you're trusting in Christ. You know, it's, it's not about church attendance. It's not about how much money you give. It's not about the do's and don'ts in life. It's make sure, friends and family, you're trusting in Christ. Because this great tribulation period is going to be no joke. It's going to be hell to pay for those who are living during the great tribulation. And I want to be in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, celebrating with my Lord and Savior. But praise the Lord, during the great tribulation, as we're going to see in the text, there's going to be hope. It's going to be difficult, but there's going to be hope. So trust in Christ is the application for all these seals. 
Verse 5. Let's look at the third seal. That's first, actually verses 5 and 6. He says, When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. So here, this third seal, we have the rider on a black horse. And this black horse represents a worldwide famine. Okay? So, so, so think about it. What happens after every war? What happens to the people? There's a famine because everything is destroyed. It'll be a very difficult time. That naturally follows, even in our world today, that after there's a war, what's taking place in Ukraine right now with all those people displaced is people are hungry and they're standing on the streets waiting in long lines to get portions of food. But the war will be followed by famine. This, char- this period will be characterized by starvation and the rationing of food. And notice verse 5. just want to point out a few things as, as we're looking at this seal. In verse 5 it says, He who sat on it had a pair of scales. Had a pair of scales in his hands. What do the scales represent? The scales represent, with it being a famine, the rationing of food. It will be the, the, the rationing of food. And then notice it says, a quart of wheat for a Daenerys and three quarts of barley for a Daenerys. Now, what you need to understand is a Daenerys is one day's wage, okay? That's what a Daenerys is. If you look up the definition, is one day's wage. So my lovely wife, thank you, my lovely bride, for helping me this weekend. She went out to 14 Carat yesterday, and she bought, she purchased one quart of wheat. So this is one quart of wheat. This one quart of wheat... At 14 carat, costs $3.79, okay? She also bought three quarts of barley. This is three quarts of barley right here. Whoop, this is starting to spill out. But three quarts of barley costs $11.62, okay? If you're alive and you're here during the Great Tribulation, according to Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, for my note takers, this is, this is the deal, and let's just say, for example, I'm taking the average salary. Let's just say you make $40,000 a year. If you make $40,000 a year during the Great Tribulation, this amount of wheat is going to cost you $154. Now, what can you do with this wheat? You can make some bread. You can, make, you can, you can feed yourself for one day. But this is enough wheat, this amount of wheat right here during the Great Tribulation, because food will be rationed during the famine, it will cost you $154 for wheat. The tribulation is nothing to joke around with. You think times are bad now, you ain't seen nothing. You think inflation's bad now, you ain't seen nothing. Uh, $3.79 for a quart of wheat. In the great tribulation, average salary being forty k a year, it's going to cost you $154. Now, that's going to be difficult for families. So look at, go back and look at the text. A quart of wheat for a Daenerys, Daenerys is a day's pay, or three quarts of barley. Why three quarts of barley? Because there are going to be some people that have families. There's going to be some people that have families to take care of. So what they're going to have to do, instead of getting one quart of wheat, they're going to have to get three quarts of barley for the same price. 
$154. But what does the barley represent? What's the difference between wheat and barley in Scripture? Wheat in the Scripture is to feed people. Barley in the Scripture is to feed livestock. So during the Great Tribulation, if you have a family to feed, you won't even have regular food. You will have food that is designated for livestock. That's how bad it's going to be during the Great Tribulation. Some people have this thought in their mind, man, the Great Tribulation, I'm going to be Indiana Jones running through the jungle and it's going to be adventurous. No, it's going to be a very difficult seven-year period for the believers who get saved during the Great Tribulation. It's going to be very difficult, but it's going to be famine. And this is what people are going to have to live off of. Animal feed or wheat. One quart for $154. Not to mention people who lose their jobs. How are you going to do it if you don't have money? It's going to be very challenging. It's going to be very challenging. Uh, that's how it's going to be during the Great Tribulation. It's going to be a very difficult time on planet Earth. And also notice, look at verse 6. Look at verse 6 in your text. I also want to point this out to you. At the end of verse 6, it says, Do not damage the oil and the wine. There's really two interpretations to this phrase, do not damage the oil and the wine. Um, the first interpretation is that the oil and wine will be only for the wealthy and the rich. But everybody middle class and below this is what you'll be feasting on. But everybody that's wealthy and rich, uh, they will get the oil and the wine. There's a second interpretation, a very popular interpretation. could be either one of these. The second interpretation to verse 6 is that the, um, the oil and wine, when it says, do not damage the oil and wine, is that this will be rationed out to people to numb their misery. To numb their misery during the Great Tribulation, it will be that bad that the world, that will, be, that will be the only thing they know to do to help people in this state of misery is to, is to give them oil and wine. But it's going to be no joke. The application for this, trust in Christ today. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive his free gift of eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him with all your heart, and, and you won't have to worry about this. Uh, verse 7 Verse 7, the fourth seal. The fourth seal says, And when the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come! And I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beast of the earth. So here we have seal number four. And the fourth seal, um, according to the text, is represented by, some of your translations say an ashen horse. Some of them say a pale horse. But the bottom line is, whatever color this horse is, his name is death. His name is death. The, think about it. War, famine, then what naturally follows? Death. Famine will be followed by massive death. A lot of people will die during this period. It says... Uh, and he said he had the, he had the uh, it had the name death and Hades was following him. Death there is referring to our physical death, to their physical death, and Hades is is referring to the grave. But notice it says in verse eight, the 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 tragic tragedy of this all in Revelation chapter six is verse eight where he says, "A fourth of the earth will be killed." 
to put this in perspective, to put this number in perspective for today, if the tribulation was to begin in our lifetime, the current world population right now is 8 billion people. The current U.S. population today is 333 million people. That means that if the tribulation began today, when this point the tribulation comes, that means it's the United States population times six. That's how bad it's going to get during the great tribulation, that that many people will, will die. How will they die? It says it right there in the text. Death will be at every corner with, with, with sword, with war, with famine, with pestilence, and, and by the wild beasts. And some scholars, and, and I'm with them, but some scholars like to combine, um, in verse 8, they like to combine the sword and the famine because war goes with famine. People will die during the war. Then the famine will take place after the war, and the people will die. And then some scholars like to bring together the second part of that verse where it says, um, with pestilence by the wild beast. In other words, there will be some rough animals. It could be the rat population. It could be the animal population that's infected with these pestilences, and they will come and kill people. Or it could just be pestilences and wild beasts. Pick your, pick your interpretation. But the bottom line is it will be a time of death by sword, by famine, by pestilences, and by the wild beast. So we see even in, in the Great Tribulation, this, you know, man was given dominion over the earth, subdue it there in the garden. He had dominion over all the animals. But during the Great Tribulation, all hell will break loose. And even the animals will take people out, you know. And this also, this also, uh, as we look at the book of Revelation, this could be believers who come to Christ during the Tribulation. This, this could be um, people who come to faith in Christ after the Great Tribulation because Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, Jesus talking about the Great Tribulation, that passage. He says, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. So this could be believers. This could be, this could be people that, um, or it could be just, the population in general, but a lot of people are, are going to die during the Great Tribulation. Let's look at verse 9. Verse 9, the uh, fifth seal. It says, And when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, and I, I, I just want to remind you guys, it says, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal. When the Lamb, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our God of, this is our God of. This, this amazing in love, this amazing in truth, this amazing in grace. He's an amazing, awesome Lord who loves us, who shows us mercy. But, but, but when it hits the fan and, and it's time for judgment, he's the judge of all the earth. When the lamb broke the fifth seal, when Jesus broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. So here we have the fifth seal is what? Martyrs. Martyrs during the Great Tribulation. These are Christians who came to Christ, uh, became believers during the Great Tribulation, but they die. Why? Because of what we talked about, what we've seen already. Because of war, because of famine, because of disease. Now, if you got your thinking caps on, 
This brings up an interesting question when you consider the rapture, the great tribulation, and eschatology. This brings up a good question. If Christians are taken up in the rapture before the tribulation or before the wrath, how will people during this intense, difficult time hear the gospel? How will they hear it? How, how will there, who will be there to share the gospel? Who will be there to um, share the good news that they can trust in Christ and still be saved? It's Pastor David's personal conviction. I believe that the rapture of the church will be a wake-up call. It will be a wake-up call for many unsaved people who donned the door of churches, who heard the message of Christ, but they never responded. And what they will have at the rapture, because, you know, physical things aren't going up. The, compu- the Internet's not going to heaven. Bibles are not going to heaven. All this material will still be there. And they will be able to gather information, Bibles, literature, online media. I mean, practically every church today, you can go on their website and, and look up their Bible teaching. And you can look at it online. So the information will be here. And there will be enough information here for those people who the rapture is a wake-up call for to turn and put their true faith in Christ. And many will turn to Christ after the rapture, I believe. I believe. But it will be a very miserable existence. It won't be like it is today. It will be very difficult for the people who come to Christ during the Great Tribulation because they will be hated. They will be persecuted. And they will be put to death for their allegiance to Christ. And I believe that verse 9, that is who this is referring to. Because if the, the believers are in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ, here in verse 9, we have believers that have been martyred. And that makes perfect sense that the, the death and the tribulation and everything we saw prior to this, this is those guys. This is those believers who had to buckle up the chin strap and put on the armor and, 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 and fight like nobody's business. That's who I believe this is. But verse 10, they, they have um, they've been martyred. They're in the place of, of the grave, Sheol. In verse 10 it says, And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord? Verse 10 is where we're at. How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Man, they will, they will understand These tribulation saints will have a full understanding of the wickedness on earth. And even they will cry from on the other side and say, How long, O Lord, will you wait to bring judgment? How long will you? Because God, we know, we've seen your glory. We've seen Christ in all his power and majesty. We know the greatness and the awesomeness and the power of God. And they also know the wickedness of man. And they see that something's going to give. Okay, and it's not going to be God because he's almighty. Verse 11, and there was given to each of them a white robe and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as they had been would be completed also. There will be tribulation Christians. There will be tribulation saints. Okay, 
There will be those who herald the gospel even during the Great Tribulation. And here we're going to see in a couple chapters, we're going to see um, the 144,000 from the, the nation of Israel come to Christ. There's still going to be a, a body of believers during the Great Tribulation, I believe. There's still going to be witnesses for Christ that are going to share the gospel. God's going to get his message out. We're even going to see later on in the book of Revelation, there's even going to be an eagle flying through the air proclaiming the gospel to all the world. God gives everyone adamant opportunity to get saved. Okay? They endure this trial. They endure this tribulation. They endure this wrath. They endure this persecution because of their own hardness of their heart. And they will not come to their senses. So even during the great tribulation, we see God's grace being shared during the great tribulation through the gospel. Verse 12. He says, I looked, and when he broke the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by the great wind. Verse 14, the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their place. So here we have the um, sixth seal. And the sixth seal, remember this is Jesus. He's, he's got seven seals. When he gets to the sixth seal, it's going to be cataclysmic events on the earth. Signs and wonders, amazing things happening in the heavens and, and on the earth. He says there a great earthquake. Uh, this will affect the entire earth. The continents will be moved. The earth will be shaken. You guys ever been in an earthquake? Anybody by show of hands ever been in an earthquake? It's kind of scary. A little tremor. I, mean, I was sitting in my house one time studying, and all of a sudden the wall starts shaking. I was like, whoa, what was that? Of course, I just went to Facebook, and yeah, everybody's probably, yeah, there, there's one that's hit. <laughs> there's one that's hit in our area. But it's going to be scary. You know, many people will, will go through an earthquake, and they, they, they'll, they will spend a, they'll, they'll spend a lot amount of time before they go back into a building because it's so scary. It, it so scares them. But there's going to be this massive, great earthquake that affects the whole earth. It says, sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon become like blood. That could, that could possibly be caused by the ash and dust from the volcano eruptions and from the earthquake. You know, it puts it into the air, and all of a sudden you look at the sun. You ever seen a, a red moon? It's because of what's in the air that, we, that it, it turns red. So this is going to be very cataclysmic. Um, it says the stars of the sky fell to earth. You know, the heavens will be shaken. Many commentators believe that this will be, this will be asteroids. This will be comets. It will be a very scary time. Now, also, I want you to notice that, because uh, I, I want to, as we go through the book of Revelation, I want to point out the different positions of what people believe about the Revelation. And the book, in the, um, the pre-wrath view of the rapture, right here is where they place the rapture of the church. And the reason they place the rapture of the church right here is because of Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 27, where Jesus says, 
There will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth, dismay among nations, and perplexity at the roaring of the seas and of the waves, men fainting from fear and expectations of things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So Jesus is talking here in Luke chapter 21 about some of the events that we were looking at. And you could also, uh, if you go study Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 14, this is an identical layout of what's being described in the sealed judgments. But then in verse 27 of Luke 21, it says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. You know what? God bless my pre-wrath brothers. There's, there's really four positions on the four main positions on the rapture of the church. As people like us, we believe in the pre-trib, pre-tribulation view of the rapture. We believe the rapture happen, happens at Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Then there's the pre-wrath, which I think are brothers and sisters with the pre-trib, because they believe that Christ will remove the church before the intense wrath, which is described right here. And then there's the mid-trib. That's halfway point. Some people believe that Christ will come halfway through the Great Tribulation. And then there's post-trib, which is people believe that um, Christ will come after the Tribulation is over. I like what Paul Benware said in his book, one of the most famous scholars, Paul Benware. He wrote the book, Understanding the Times. In In the opening page of his book, I like what he says. He said, regardless of your position, we believe he's coming again. So be ready. Know him and know him well. So this is uh, the devast- this is devast- these are devastating disasters that are accompanying the sixth seal. It will be very terrifying. It will be very troubling. You know, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. You know, this will be a time of great trouble in the hearts of man. Because of what has to be, what, 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 what the great tribulation entails. But here's the deal. Here's the application. Trust in Christ today. Trust in Christ today. Put your hope, put your faith in him. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Take this a step further. Examine yourself in light of God's Ten Commandments. Ask yourself, have you kept the Ten Commandments? Have you ever lied? If you, are, if you have lied like me, you're a liar. You ever stolen anything? Lying is a violation of the ninth commandment. You ever stole anything? That's a violation of the sixth commandment. I've stolen in my life. I've taken things that didn't belong to me. I was guilty. Seventh commandment says you shall not commit adultery. But Jesus says whoever looks with lustful thoughts, not to say someone's pretty, but to address them in your mind, Jesus says that is the same as adultery. Guilty. Guilty. It, Jesus sees it in the heart. He sees it as in the heart or in the physical realm. Judge yourself in light of God's Ten Commandments. And if that breaks your heart, put your trust in Christ because He paid the price for your sins. The law, God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, was given to us to show us why Jesus died. On the cross. This is not about legalism. This is not about rituals and duty, but the law leaves us guiltless. It, it, it leaves us in our guilt and it points us to the Savior. He died on the cross to forgive you of your sins and to wipe away the guilt of sin. 
If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Put your trust in Christ, and not only will he give you a new heart, uh, a, new, a new spirit, his spirit dwelling in you, but he will forgive you of your sins, and you won't have to worry about the wrath to come, according to Paul in Thessalonians. Verse 15. Verse 15, he says, Then the kings, okay, this is, verse 15 is the continuing, the continuation of this sixth seal. Some people say, I don't care. You can't scare me. You can't make me want to follow Christ. You can't scare me into becoming a Christian. Okay, okay, that's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you into coming to Christ. Coming to Christ is not, we're not about scaring people into coming to Christ. We're, we're about sharing the good news of the gospel, that he gives them a new heart and he forgives them of their sin. But let's look at um, verse 15, and you tell me if these people aren't scared. It says in verse 15, Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountain. They are scared. They're like, oh, snap. This is not good. They're running for the mountains. They're, they're running. They're, they're like, we got to get out of here. We got to get away from this. But where can you go from, where can you flee from God's presence? You can't. Verse 16, and they said to the mountains and to the rocks, follow on us. So first they will try to hide. They will try to flee. But then once they realize that they can't run, they can't hide from the events of the great tribulation, finally um, everyone from rich to, to, to poor, old to young, kings, Great men, rich, strong, slave, free, all people, they'll finally say, Lord, just take our, take our, take our life. I, can't, I, cannot, I cannot bear what's going on during this great tribulation period will be the thought process in their mind. I cannot bear to see what's going on. So instead of hiding, just, just mountains and rocks fall on us. And then it says in verse, 15, verse 16, it says, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne. That's a tragic statement. I haven't finished the verse. That is the most tragic statement. Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne. You know, our message is come to the Father. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to show you his grace. He wants to show you his mercy. He wants to show you his compassion. He wants to shower you in grace and truth and love. What person in their right mind would not want that? I want that. I want his love, his grace, and his truth. But these people, according to verse 16 their hearts will be so hard and their minds just so bent on destruction that they will still not repent. And they'll say, follow us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne. They will still reject the presence of Christ. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. You know, when, when I witness to someone, when I share the gospel with someone, you know, I, I've been one of those who go down to five points. I hand out gospel tracts. 
or go out to the shopping malls, give out gospel tracts, and have one-on-one conversations. I've been through Way of the Master with Kirk Cameron Recomfort and love that ministry and love being a part of that ministry. But, you know, sometimes people will just be like, no. They'll just, they'll just have a cold heart. And I'll just plead with them, please, please, please think long and hard about this because this is your eternal salvation. Please, please consider this. Lay your head on your pillow at night and think about eternity. And then think about how you've broken God's law And if it breaks your heart, remember and understand and know that Christ loves you. Receive him into your life as your Lord and Savior. Embrace his truth. Embrace his mercy. Embrace his power and let him forgive you. But it says, they they said, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne. And from the, here it is, look at it guys, from the wrath of God the lamb I will be the first one to stand before you guys and testify that the Lord Jesus Christ he is a God of kindness he is a God of grace Jesus is a God of love Jesus is a God of mercy and and he's, he's an amazing awesome God but don't be deceived don't Don't go too far with that. Don't be deceived. He will one day be the judge who brings judgment. Notice it says the wrath, verse 16, the wrath of the lamb. This is his wrath that's being poured out on a sinful world. And then verse 17, for the great day of their wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Where will you stand when that day comes, where will you stand when that day comes? Family, friends, there's only one place, one place you can stand when that day comes, and that's at the foot of the cross. That's at the foot of the cross. You stand at the foot of the cross. When I say stand at the foot of the cross, meaning you are trusting in Christ for your eternal salvation. You know there's nothing good you can do It's not by works, lest any man should boast. It's about trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus cried on the cross, he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Theologians believe that it was at that moment that the father turned his head, poured his wrath out on his son to pay the price for our sin. Jesus took the wrath for us. So when you trust in Jesus For salvation, the Father takes Jesus' perfect righteousness and wraps you in righteousness. And he takes all your sin and your rebellion and your unbelief and, and all your immorality and he places it on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in Christ. That's the that's my message today. Is trust in Christ. Your eternal destiny can be summed up in one in with one question. What do you do with Jesus? It's not about church membership. It's not about anything other than what you do with Christ. Family, friends, trust him. Love him. Obey him. And know him well. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to get saved today, Let today be the day of salvation. Come and see me after service or during prayer time. We have people up front praying. 
Get your life right with God today because you're not promised tomorrow. Trust him where you're at. Say, Lord Jesus, I've heard Pastor David's message. I've heard Revelation chapter 6. And Lord, I trust in you. I put my faith in you, Lord Jesus. Turn to him today. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for Revelation chapter 6. And God, I pray, Father, that each and every one of us today will examine our hearts. And if we're trusting in Christ, I pray that we'll trust him more, we'll love him more, and we'll obey him more. But Father, if there be anyone that's here this morning that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today will be the day of salvation. Today, you'll break open the dam of their heart. You'll open the floodgate and you'll fill their heart with your truth and your love. Holy Spirit, we ask you to work in each and every heart this morning. Mine too, God. Help me to love you more. Help me to trust you more. Help me to make it about you completely in all things. And Lord Jesus, we understand that, there, that we understand mercy and we understand wrath. And thank you for taking the wrath for us at the cross. Thank you for your mercy. For we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.